What's up, citizens of Apologia? This is King Ginger, and I just wanted to take a moment to encourage you all to sign up for Apologia All Access. When you sign up for Apologia All Access, you're going to get exclusive on-demand content. This means that you and your entire family are going to get to watch every single TV show, every single after show, and every single Apologia Academy with new content dropping every single week. But most importantly, your contribution helps Apologia Studios create quality, Christ-centered entertainment that reaches millions of people on our YouTube channels and through our podcast with the gospel. So what are you waiting for? Change everything at ApologiaRadio.com. Non-rockabotus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Right. Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got got a bit of a jiggle neck. (laughs) That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when they're not. shall flow to it and many people shall come and say come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem what's up y'all welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio how you guys doing? Good, good. Hey, talking hot. to you. I'm speaking to you. You're hot. hot. Yeah, it is really, really hot in yeah. Arizona right now. The weather was better in Moscow. It, I'm sure it was. <laughs> no question about that. And uh, in San Diego, nobody asked you. Marcus. And in San Diego, it was yes, better in San it was, Diego. It was nice in San Diego as nobody well. Nobody asked you about that either. <laughs> this is the Gospel Heard <laughs> Around the World Apologia Radio. Uh, ApologiaRadio.com is where you guys get us. You guys can get all the past episodes and everything else that we've done there. You can also become part of our all access and get the television shows, the Apology Academy, and the after shows. And by the way, you will be the first if you get it now to get all of the new content, fantastic uh, lectures and series that we have right now we have stuff on marcus give me we got we got uh, christian worldview marcus pimmon hey what's up hey man we got christian oh, worldview. someone's taking my breakfast order here christian so. worldview douglas wilson give me some more of the classes that are uh, coming soon potatoes chris select he's doing on history okay uh like it's really it's like how uh from the 1940s on we got uh it's how campbell soup cookbooks made presbyterian uh, PCUSA churches ordain women. <laughs> That's literally the three-part class. It's okay. amazing. Okay. So uh, there's that, and then there's uh, Johnny McIntosh on logic and stuff that I don't even know what he was talking about. It was just super high-level 
academic stuff and and we really want no, we really want no, 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 uh, and then, uh, some. yeah, some Gordon Wilson, who did Creation, Six Day Creation, nice four part series on Six Day Creation. Doug Wilson did Worldview, and uh, uh, there's just a lot of great stuff. And it's coming soon. So, also, our website, our brand spanking new website, is coming very, very soon. And uh, it's going to be uh, easier to use, it's going to be quicker, it's going to be. Um, just beautiful shout, and shout out to the reform developers. Yes, who those are helping guys out. have teamed up and they're dude, they're monsters. I'm in a Slack chat right now, mm-hmm. and they're like breaking down how Netflix streams videos. Nice, like they're it's the nutty. I don't even know what they're talking about. And we have it's some other things crazy. that are going to come to the new site that we cannot tell you about yet, but it's going to be epic. And uh, let me just we, say. We do? Yeah, yeah. You, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't tell you about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't say anything about it yet, but it's going to be amazing. And we didn't didn't anticipate the website going this direction, but it is, and it's going to just you guys, bless. I don't even know. It's going to bless it's you a, a bunch. secret from let me. Just say, I let me just say, I know. let me just say, atheists are going to sign up for All Access to watch what's going to be on All Access. That's, That's true. They are going to give, they're going to donate money to Apologia Church's mission. Uh, yes. To watch what's coming to all access. Well, so shh, don't give it all away. Okay, that's all I gotta say. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> all right. Okay, so uh, we got uh, a guest that's actually hanging on the line. We're gonna bring him in in just a moment, but only after, of course, we make our introductions. Okay, and we, he, Luke and I, actually like the whole like hour long prep was just trying to make sure we had the right music. So we hope you guys sure. appreciate how we're doing what we're doing. And so let me introduce everybody in the room right now. Um, we actually have to the right. We have the girl, and um, I'll do mine first. Is that okay, Luke? Like. I you pick go it back. For it. Okay, so I picked some music for for the girl, and I, I think I think it's good. I like it, and let's enjoy the girl. Say hi, Joy. Hi. And this is your backtrack for. Okay, so Luke, what did you have for Joy's backtrack? I didn't have one for today because you had that. Oh, I thought you you had your pulled. Okay, 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 okay. We'll try again. Okay, and over here to my right, we have uh, we have Luke the Bear, what? which I had something ready for him, but he's like, no, I'm no, because you play the same you one every time. Can't pick your own music. If you care about bears? You should be aware <laughs> there are eight unique species to compare <laughs> which are you fairly common I don't know let's find out what is this from I don't know I found it on YouTube it's called Bear Song Bear Song on YouTube anyways you can facts to good share. good Okay, so that's Luke the Bear panda? over there. Panda bear? And uh There is a panda. I'm, I'm Jeff. That's not really a bear. And and they call me the ninja. Oh, that's well, what okay. they call me. And Fact so that. I just wanted to have more or less Is that what happened when you tripped on the chair a few minutes ago? <laughs> that's just an actual recording of that. Yeah. Of you falling. So it's funny because I was looking for like it was a long Bruce. Fall. I was looking for Bruce Lee. It was violent, and uh, I got to, to just watch. Like I'm watching 
the actual movies that got me into martial arts when I was four years old. I used to watch mm-hmm. them Saturday mornings, and I just love them. I go watch them all day, all day. All day. All day. All day. And we also have, uh, in the studio, as usual, we have, um, uh, actually, we got to hook up in San Diego. It was pretty sweet. You met some people who knew who you were because they listened to the radio program in San Diego, mm. the God's Not Dead conference. Mm. Nostradamus. He- <laughs> <laughs> That's actually. I, I want to tell you guys. Actually, that that's actually the song. Those, that's my. Those are my nostrils right now. <laughs> it's Blaren, um. Blaren. Well, what Blaren, I picked, Blaren. I picked something. I picked something different for for Jerry. Luke and I were saying we'll, we each pick something, but this is mine. This is mine oh, for Jerry. Ahead. This is mine. It's just wind sounds. Wind. That's wind. Okay, so. The, the video that accompanies Luke's song wind, is just Jeff. like a chunky cat. Just a still photo of one. Yeah. And then the breathing ten sounds. ten minutes of heavy breathing And then cat. one time, like, then there's little, oh, like, there's, chocolate, there's cake. like chocolate cake floats across the screen. <laughs> and then, like, a cheeseburger floats across Man. the screen. Jeff, this intro music you're getting... I recommend watching it. Look up, um... 10 minutes of heavy breathing cat. <laughs> you're, getting, right. you're getting pretty uh, nosy with this introduction. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Good one. Uh, and of course we have King Ginger on the ones and twos. Hey, that's familiar track. King Ginger. How's it going? Welcome to the show today. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to be back in the studio. We're glad to have you back, man. I'm, I was tired of flying and being harassed by the TSA. You had a big week. I don't, Marcus, <laughs> don't even get me started on that. No, we should talk about this TSA okay. story. Because hey, this is a bad we one. We guess it's waiting for us I, I, right I, now. Just very quickly, I want to okay. say, we talk about, like, Marcus uh, uh, crashing his car and being dangerous, and, and, uh, and, and then he goes and crashes his car against a public uh, service uh, transportation Transit, system yeah. and uh, and and yeah and then all of, we talk about him with TSA like you don't want to go with Marcus through TSA at the airport because they always find Marcus and sure show enough show enough what happened Marcus when you went through TSA to they, Moscow they uh, they did the little bomb swipe thing on our camera gear and it went off the alarm went off so I had to have a a meeting with the TS like the top TSA guy at the airport. Just comes out, looks yep. like he's a marine. Yep, yep. <laughs> and and they patted me down three times, and then they took everything out of my bag, like all the camera gear. They took it all out, and then they went who knows where with it. I don't and, know. And I you were I was, very, very gracious and respectful to TSA, oh, weren't I'm you? Sure. Well, the guy was looking at me, and he goes, uh, "It's okay. You're not going to miss your flight. You have plenty of time." And I was like, "Well, I'm not really upset about missing my flight." <laughs> you know, I wanted to yeah. tell him. I didn't tell him. I wanted to tell him. I'm upset that you sold out the Constitution for 15 bucks yeah. an hour. That's all it yeah. took. Yep. They well, shall know you by your fruit, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we have a special guest today. First time ever. <clears throat> Not a vegetarian joke. On Apologia Radio. <laughs> Why are you speaking vegetarian to me? <laughs> it's a very exciting day. We actually have. I am excited. I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah we have another. We have another female on the show. I know today, and it's just fantastic. And so it is. Summer. I don't feel as repressed. That's so sexist. It is. It is going to be a female. Right. It is. That was a microaggression. That's a microaggression. <laughs> Trigger so, warning. So this is Summer Pinch, who used to be known as Summer White, uh, Doctor White's daughter. This is Summer Pinch, mm-hmm. and she's joining us in the studio today. What's up? 
Hey, man. Hey. And uh, we have some music for you, too. I have some, and Luke has some. Okay. We work very hard on this, so we hope you appreciate it. And I hope it's deserving of respect and applause and everything. Applause? So it just it is kind of sad right now. It's because the word "summer" is there. Yeah, no, it's good. Okay, Wild good. Okay. Great. Yeah, she is. Hey, that's look at this. This is the exact words that's on my Coke bottle right now. What's his name? I can't summer, really see summer, it. Summer, summer, Nice. There you go. Noise. He's like, look at it. And I know. And the far other away. side of the studio. Really far away. <laughs> All right, and and Luke, what did you have for summer? No. There it is. Oh, I'm going to say I like this one better. Guess what time it is in the studio? Guess what time it is? <laughs> I've never heard these songs before. It's summertime. <laughs> <laughs> do, do people in Phoenix really sing songs about summertime? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Have I heard them before? Yes. What about um in summer? It's usually uh, summer loving from Greece. Frozen. Is the yes. it's usually summer used love. against me. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. you should have given us that as a recommendation. That would have been right. good. So uh welcome to the studio. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. All right. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a big conversation today. We brought Summer in today because we love her and we wanted to have her on the show anyways, but she wrote a your dad made you write a blog. He did. Yes. Actually, it was he messaged me. He said, write, write, comma, write. Right. And I was like, all right, I got the message, I think. Yeah. Should I write? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so you wrote a you wrote a, a blog. In response to the video we're actually going to review, uh, I am a gender non-conforming parent by BuzzFeed video. Yes. Yes. And so we're going to talk through of that. Of course. Yes. We're going to talk through that. Of and course, we're going to talk through, actually, we're going to take BuzzFeed's uh, How Privileged Are You test. Uh, and uh, it's all about white people. Let's <laughs> just say, okay. Which is appropriate because this studio is filled with only white people. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, You're double white. Uh, no more name jokes, man. Yeah. Do you know how hard it is to have a name that's like a noun and a verb and then some more nouns? Do you know how hard <laughs> no, I, I do. Really? I do. You do, Joy. Do. Um, <laughs> I'm so joyful that you can relate. Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, bum <laughs> Look how happy they are. Joy's never smiled this much on the first 10 minutes of an episode. Okay. So um, we're going to actually introduce somebody who's on the phone, been waiting for us very patiently. Um, this is um, the brother that we are teaming up with on the island of Oahu. I am leaving uh, very soon to go to the islands. I'm going to Oahu. I'm going to Maui. And I'm going to Kauai uh, for uh, all working towards our mission of planting a church on the island of Kauai. So I'm going to Oahu, and I brought Pastor Spencer on to talk about what we're going to be doing together. Pastor Spencer, welcome to Apology Radio, brother. Hey, aloha. Aloha. I love it. Aloha. See? That's a real thing. That's a real thing. It sure and, is. And, <laughs> and Pastor Spencer, we found out in Kauai that it's also a real thing all over uh, Hawaii to do the hang loose sign. That's a real thing. But you got to do it appropriately. Oh, yeah. It, it, it actually started on, on the, my side of the island. Um, there's a big story behind that shaka sign, but yeah, it's just telling everybody what's up, how you doing. Hey. It's just the international sign just saying hello, you know? So, so tell, I want to hear the story just real fast. It's, it's Give not me a Masonic sign, though, right? You got something caught in your throat? You want to know the story? I do want to know the story. Yeah, tell us the story. Well, it goes along the line where I forget the guy's name, but he was a guy that was working in a plantation farm, and and um, he'd uh, he apparently he got his 
three fingers, um, you know, if you make the shaka sign, the three fingers that are down, um, those three fingers got cut off. So every time he'd, uh, he'd uh, wave or something, um, and that it became like a sign that everybody went by. He's actually like a security or something, and everybody, he'd get on the kid's case. So every, that was like the sign to tell everybody that he was coming. And um, Oh, wow. Uh, so when, when everybody seen him coming, they gave that that's sign. That's hilarious. Because that was like his hand, right? And so that's uh, kind of like the whole story. That's just kind of summarizing it in a bit. Wow. Um, on how it all came about, and it became like the sign of saying hello goodbye and all that stuff it's good he's like the he's like the hawaiian version yeah. of bridger hawaiian right. bridger we're gonna have to yeah. come up with a hand signal it's for bridger, yeah, for bridger. Yeah. fantastic all right so pastor spencer we connected uh well let me just let me just introduce people how, how did you connect to apologia um because you and i connected through uh the internet and uh you messaged me but how did you find out about the ministry of apologia church um, well, actually, it started about uh, three, maybe three years ago. I started, you know, I was starting to research the Mormon ministry, uh, Mormon church, um, uh, because I started a ministry in the place where I live in Kahuku. Um, that's on the north shore of Oahu. And um, we're just surrounded by the Mormon religion. Um, the next town over from where I live is, is where that Mormon temple in Hawaii is located. And so... Um, I started to research because I wanted to know what exactly it is that um, that they're being deceived by. So that way, when I go and try to witness to them, um, I know what I'm talking about. And so as I started to look on, you know, you can Google anything nowadays and um, even on YouTube. So I started to look up on YouTube and I came across, when I typed in Mormonism, I came across uh, your videos and I started following a lot of your videos of how you going out and um, witnessing to the Mormons in front of the Mormon temple and all that and uh, some of your sermons that you preach and I just started following you since then and um, I just um, I'm still kind of new to Facebook my wife's been on Facebook but I I just kind of knew to Facebook this year so as soon as I got on Facebook I decided I'm going to try and um, connect with you see if you're on there and I'm sure you were on there but um, I found you and I messaged you and I kind of just threw it out there like uh, if it's a God thing, you know, he's going to connect us. And um, um, sure enough, uh, about a week later, actually, after I asked for your friend request, um, you, you messaged me back after I asked you if you'd be interested in coming to Oahu to um, teach us how to um, witness to the Mormons in the way how we see you doing it on the videos. And it's, it's just an awesome thing how we see uh, you doing it, and we want to be a part of it, and we want to be able to do that here in in uh, Hawaii as well. Praise God, Mormon community, because I grew up with them. Um, you know, my friends, my family, uh, classmates, neighbors, all that stuff, and they were just all around, and and the number is just growing uh, by the every year um, on how much you know Mormons that we see in the community, and uh, you know they're all great people. We love them and everything, but. We just don't want to see them you know, going to hell because of a false doctrine, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's just, there's a longer story just in terms of how you and I were able to connect. And I always say when I actually saw your message and connected, um, I, it just was right in the middle of us planning for our trip to Kauai, and you connected with me, and another pastor connected with me right at, at the same exact time as when I saw him. And uh, God, God just sort of put together this mission that I'm doing over the next couple of weeks. And we, uh, I'm coming to Oahu, 
and we're doing two days of teaching with you. We're doing stuff on apologetics. We're doing stuff on the gospel. And then we're doing a special um, evening where we are doing a talk, a community event, where we're asking the question, is Mormonism Christian? And we are inviting the Mormons, the Latter-day Saints, on the island of Oahu to come and attend the event, to listen, and then afterwards to come up and ask questions and even bring challenges at the microphone afterward. Um, and let me ask you this, uh, Pastor Spencer, how unusual is that for Hawaiian culture to do something like this? Oh, I, I believe it's very unusual. I don't even recall um, having this even on our side before. Uh, I never heard about it before. I, I've heard of uh, people coming um, people coming to the islands and going to various churches and just um, teaching the Christians about the Mormon faith. Um, but never something like this where we'd invite the Mormon community um, to come and do a open mic question and answer kind of forum. Yeah. Um, so this is definitely a culture shock. Uh, everybody is just, um, you know, in a set mode where, you know, it's uh, kind of, I know we've seen in, a, in our Facebook thread, you know, when we put out the flyer, somebody was talking about um, being, you know, coexistent, you know, coexist with other religions. And that's pretty much how it is. You know, everybody just is laid back and let, let other churches do what they do. And, you know, that you have your own belief. We have our own belief. But um, I, I see, you know, I just feel this burden and, and this call that God is calling us to reach out to his people because we know that, you know, the end is drawing near and, and they need to know the truth. Um, so let me ask you, let me ask you this. Is there already a, a controversy brewing on the island about the event? Uh, there's, yeah, there's definitely a, a controversy happening right now. Um, just on a flyer that we sent out, um, in the, in the area surrounding our church or our, the, where we're going to have the, uh, event, um, we, we posted the, we posted the flyer. And, um, yeah, we got over, you know, 200 comments and, um, on, on people just against it, thinking that it's a hate flyer and all that, and mm. uh, people trying to stop it from even happening. Um, we, we already moved the site of the event um, once already, and um, this is a, the place where we're going to have it now is kind of a, a neutral place where nobody can really say anything of, of why we're having the event at that location well, let me ask you, so so for now, the event is being held where? So we have a community center in, in Kuhuku. Um, it holds about 100 people. Um, it holds about 100 people inside, and we may have to set up some uh, tents on the outside to for an overflow. Okay. I think that's what we're probably going to be doing, um, but um, oh. it's going to be a good location, um, a lot of parking <laughs> yes. So the, the event date is July the 7th. Uh, July 7th. And what time again does the event start, Pastor Spencer? So it's, it's going to start at 6.30. Um, we have Thursday at 6.30. Um, Monday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, it's going to start at 6. Yes. Um, but we're looking to start a little early, you know, get some praise and worship going um, as people are coming in. So um, it's going to be a great event. Uh, we're getting some good feedback as well from others, you know, from the Christian side. Good, um, good. So, 
So it's, it's going to be a great thing. July fifth and sixth is my teaching to the to the church, and that is two sessions each night. Um, and again, issues running from apologetics to uh, the gospel itself and defending the faith against atheism. So that's July fifth and sixth at six p.m. And the seventh is the community event where we invite Mormons. So here's the word: if you guys are in the islands, if you can uh, grab a quick flight. To come into Oahu, um, come and join us for the event. If you are Christians on the island of Oahu and you live there, invite your your friends. Particularly, we're looking obviously for Christians, of course, to show up, but we want Mormons to show up. The idea is to break down the walls between our communities and to start reaching in and communicating the gospel to them. That's the whole goal. And so, invite Mormons to come and uh, to invite them, let them know they'll be able to listen, and then ask questions afterwards, um, and let's get to know one another. And so that's happening on the island of Oahu. Uh, one more time, Pastor Spencer, what is the location right now? So it's called the Kahuku uh, Village Association Center. Okay. Um, the locals might know it as the KVA. Um, it, it is uh, right in the heart of Kahuku. Um, you, 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 if you blink, you might pass it. But we'll have our, our church sign up and everything. It's right across the gas station that is in Kahuku to make it more simpler. Um, there's only one gas station in that area, so um, they shouldn't miss it by that. Okay. Um, we have uh, we will be posting it on our our um, Facebook page, the change of address and everything, so um, so everybody can find it at our, our New Life uh, Kahuku. Facebook page. New Life Kahuku, that's the title of the Facebook page. And if anybody wants to get a hold yeah. of if anybody wants to get a hold of you via email, where should they email? Um, well my email is uh, Spencer New Life Five at gmail dot com. Okay. So they can email that one uh, directly to me. Um, and I I'm constantly on my email uh, at work and everything so I'm always seeing it. Okay. Uh, all right, Pastor Spencer. Thanks, brother. We're looking forward to serving the Lord with you. And uh, I want to ask everyone to pray for Pastor Spencer and his wife and his family. Um, I just want to say how grateful I am to you that you're taking a risk with your life and your family and reputation for the sake of the Latter-day Saints and uh, for the gospel on the island of Oahu. So I'm just yeah. grateful. And I know how much of a risk that is. And we're just thankful for you. So please, everybody, pray for Pastor Spencer um, we love him and we're grateful. Yeah. So thank you, brother, and uh, look forward to talking to you thank soon. You. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So that's big, right, guys? Awesome. Pretty awesome. I'm excited about it. Yeah, um, we somebody posted the flyer um, up on, like, uh, Oahu... Um, uh, it was BYU garage sale like or yard sale sales sale. page or something. Yeah, and it just got flooded with uh, responses. They are not happy, and um, there's a big controversy. I mean, I've been tagged in that thread. I don't even know how many times at this point. People coming after me, people going right directly after Pastor Spencer. It's a very, very big culture shock on that island to be doing this sort of a thing. And from what I understand... Um, Mormons on the islands um, can te- can can be uh, they're not always now okay so don't don't take this the wrong way I don't want to overgeneralize but I have heard stories from missionaries that have gone to the island Christian missionaries gone to the islands have said Mormons in the islands can can tend to be very very territorial um, mm-hmm. and so this this is you know this is a big deal and so we're gonna need your prayers and support and we will be filming the event so you guys will be able to get to see it so that's what's up and that's coming very very soon so be praying for that if you guys are on the islands come in come and say hi and uh, that's it. So we're going to take a quick break. 
come right back. We're going to talk to Summer a bit about how we met, and then we're going to get right into the subject matter for today. We're going to talk about BuzzFeed's video, Am I a Gender? I am a Gender Nonconforming Parent. It is heartbreaking, it is difficult, but it is also very revealing. So we will be right back. ApologiaRadio.com. Hey Alex, is your marriage hard? Yeah Chris, it is. But like climbing a mountain, it's hard going up, but once you're at the top, it's beautiful. I wish there were a place where people would talk about marriage and the gospel. Wait, there is our podcast, The Rugged Marriage. I really feel like I should have known that. Yeah, recording a commercial has a way of bringing on amnesia. Well, check out The Rugged Marriage on iTunes and Stitcher. Reform your theology, reform your marriage. And buy your wife some tulips. Hi, this is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at ApologiaChurch.com. want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the Word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Tempe. Hey there. We are a family-integrated church, so we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road and Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at ApologiaChurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. (laughs) Glory! Summer, Summer, when did when did we actually meet for the first time? I was eight, eight years old, and I remember. Wow, I remember. Yeah. Oh, I remember. What was Jeff? What was Jeff wearing when you met him? Jeff. Jeff was the guy with the small silver hoop earrings. (laughs) Uh, Gelled hair, not much has changed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had some gel in my hair. (laughs) Same hair, a little bit. And I think he was the original seat belt belt. Wearer. Yes. yes. This was actually a seat belt that you wore as your belt. Yes. And it had a seat belt buckle and it had little soda bottle caps mm-hmm. all just, the way just around. Just like it. a regular seat belt. You, yes. Just like a just regular, like regular caps seat on it. And then <laughs> years later, when I walked into a hot topic when I was making bad choices as a teenager, <laughs> I saw a seat belt belt and I thought, that guy. <laughs> that guy. I should get one of these. <laughs> <laughs> See? Yeah. I started a trend. Oh, gee. Yeah. You knew it was cool before it was cool. Summer, so when you met Jeff, you said he had a bunch he had a, a bunch of gel in his hair, kind of like it is now. But if I remember, didn't he have kind of like a bunch of the gelled hair kind of hanging into his face? Kind of like kind of like Clark Kent when he had like the little hair, but a whole bunch of them. Like kind of, I think that was good. That's, that's hey, where it was everybody have then. a whole bunch of hairs? <laughs> 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 so, um... 
your dad used to bring you out with him to the Mormon Easter pageant. Yes. And uh, so you had Dr. White surrounded by a bunch of Mormon missionaries and Mormon teenagers. And there was summer right there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. How many times do you think you went to the Easter pageant? Every year. I mean, until the first year I went out there, I was eight. And the last year I went out there, I was 14, 14, 15. Mm. So, and every night we went. Yep, yep. So when night. you bought the seatbelt belt, you yeah. stopped going. Yeah, I, yeah, that was, I was. It was a dark time. It was Let's a not dark talk time about in that. my life. I was wearing seatbelt belts. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that says it all right there. <laughs> Who knows, man? No, that was kind of around the time that my dad wasn't able to go anymore because of the protesters. Yeah. The, the KJV protesters. Street screechers. Yep. Getting in the way of, of having conversation yep so yeah, we're glad was, you've taken the mantle yeah they disappeared when your dad yeah. left it right. only took about two years and they were like all right he's not coming back so they right. left well they're not allowed to come back anymore oh it really is it official because yeah. they oh they did they get in a lot of filed, trouble with the they city filed the uh, complaint against them yeah that's right that's right so um that's kind of that's just really really cool to uh, to see that and did your dad make you go or you wanted to go no i loved going i loved going it was really cool too because i got to have conversations with kids that were my age right about the bible and uh the whole drive out there because we didn't live anywhere near and my parents still live in that same house they don't live anywhere near the temple and so we would you know kind of have a little prep session on our long drive on our commute which when i was eight seemed like hours on end yeah <laughs> and uh you know we would go over things and the big thing and i think the big thing that i still try to remember now in any conversation is i would ask my dad okay so what do mormons believe and give me a crash course in mormonism and my dad's big thing was no you need to understand what you believe in order to have fruitful conversation with them and so he didn't spend a lot of time telling us uh you know, gotcha questions for Mormons. We spent a lot of time going over what the gospel is, who Jesus mm. is, the kinds of things that you need to be grounded in before you can have a real fruitful conversation with Mormons. That's awesome. So what was it What was it like? Um, your dad obviously did a good job raising you. I mean, you're able to write so well and engage and think so critically. What was it like growing up and your dad is constantly in these, in these fights and going to debates I mean, how, how did that affect you growing up? And I guess maybe how you view the world? Did, I mean, did it really affect you having a dad that was just constantly on and engaging with the world? How did that affect you? Only in hindsight, you know? Because yeah. it's like when people ask me, well, what was it like to be James Lloyd's daughter? The first thing I want to ask is, well, what was it like to be your father's daughter? You know? Because right. it's all you know. Um, when I was 10, I was sitting in New York at the you know, front row of a church, he's having a debate with Muslims, and that was just life. That was just how it was. Yeah. Um, I think I developed kind of an early thick skin uh, because it was kind of normal to have controversy, have things swirling. But, you know, I remember, and I only remember this in hindsight, but I remember uh, my dad, I don't remember what age I was, but he had just finished his, you know, another degree. Yeah. And he comes out wearing his like graduation thing, and I just started laughing at him. I'm like, "You look ridiculous!" And my dad's like, "I just got my doctorate again," and we're all just kind of laughing at him because it was just normal, you know. Right. And so I kind of associate some of his um, books mm -hmm. with time periods in my life. So when he was writing the Forgotten Trinity, 
and he was super busy with that. I remember kind of what was going on in my life. I was in fifth mm. grade and volleyball and you know, it's kind of like I can tie like periods of his ministry. This is what my dad was working on when I was figuring out volleyball type of thing. Oh, wow. And that's just, you know, normal. It's hard to answer the question really because it was just my life. Yeah. So you obviously were raised, pointed to Christ and the gospel and with a biblical worldview. And so that allows you to be able to think really critically about a lot of things. And you did a great job on your blog um, working through the, am I a gender, I am a gender non-conforming parent from BuzzFeed. So you've got like a generation of people raised in the public school system today that are, are indoctrinated um, not simply with an antithetical worldview in the area of science and uh, uh, language even and, and, and history, but specifically they're fed um, a, a view of human sexuality and gender right now. Um, and I mean, even uh, our president installing people in the Department of Education that will specifically promote uh, this agenda. So when BuzzFeed has a I'm a gender nonconforming parent video, they are they're tapping into i think we're past the point of the moral revolutionaries we're we're at the point of they're actually tapping into the spirit of the age um this is just the way things are and so you're able to to listen to it and pull out a lot of things so i'm going to play the video but before i do just give us your initial thoughts when you saw the video what are you thinking you know immediately when you see it and how how do you how are you analyzing the buzzfeed video my first thought was just honestly grief for the child mm. involved in the video mm. and I kind of had to get past that first um, because the sad thing is, is the the video is done really really well BuzzFeed does a good job with their videos yeah um, and this lifestyle is so it's not just that they're trying to normalize it it's that they're trying to celebrate it mm. and it's kind of told as this like tender sweet story that happens between these two women and the family that they try to build and so, honestly, my first thought is to grieve for them um, because they're so sold out for their deception mm. and and no one can really see it. Mm. Um, I think inside their hearts they can see it. I know that they can. Um, but number one, I, I'm thinking about the people that I went to high school with who don't have the tools to filter the information mm -hmm. that they're getting and to really think critically about what is happening mm -hmm. and just how few of the people... I graduated high school with would be able to watch this video and even see the insanity of what they're trying to sell. Yeah. Guys, Joy, Luke. I was just curious before we get started in this video if your dad made you memorize all 100 verses. And the 100 verse memorization system yeah. for Mormonism? Uh, no, 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 no. Um, the first passage of scripture I memorized, uh, if you don't want to count Psalm 23, is Romans 1. Romans 1, 18 through 32, which fits very well very with yeah. the BuzzFeed uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very good. All right, so let's go ahead and launch into it. I, I, I think it's, uh, we'll, we'll just kind of play by ear. Maybe I'll stop a few times. If you guys want me to stop and just raise your hand, we'll, we'll, that'd probably be the best way to do it. Let's go ahead and, and, yeah. and stop and, and do it that way. Um, okay, so this is BuzzFeed video. They have numerous BuzzFeed uh, channels. There's like BuzzFeed Yellow, BuzzFeed Food. Uh, Food Blue. And by the way, when we first started, we were talking about this, when we first started Apologia Radio, like BuzzFeed was really launching big time. We would constantly do BuzzFeed stuff like lists right. and and videos and because they do put out some pretty pretty fun cool content uh but it seems as though um 
now it is just more obvious, more apparent what their agenda is and what they're trying to accomplish with their channel. Nobody's neutral. BuzzFeed's not neutral, and uh, you're going to see that right now. So here we go. This is I'm a gender non-conforming parent on BuzzFeed video. Oh, you're having a boy? Like, I'll teach him how to. Th- I'll teach him how to throw a ball. It's just like, <laughs> dude, I can I can throw a ball. Like, what are you talking <laughs> Where do you about? Start with that. God, my path is like a gender queer person. My understanding about gender is that ultimately it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't give you the information about that person that you think that it's gonna give you. The person I am today was like very much in line with the person that I was or longed to be when I was really little. I was a tomboy. My best friends were primarily boys. I played with boy stuff. That changed as I became a teenager and wanted to fit in more and just wasn't comfortable being myself. And I was still kind of figuring out who I was and you know, that, that's like a long time. From that time until my early 30s my queerness in terms of my gender sort of continued to transform pause summer <laughs> yeah it's amazing right mm-hmm. so what you have is uh dashiel is the one who's the gender non-conformist she's talking about her path uh to becoming who she wants to be and she clearly describes it as wanting to take on more masculine traits and that taking on these masculine traits helped her find who she was mm-hmm. and this is right after her partner says Gender doesn't mean anything. Right? Yeah. Right. You can't even wrap your head around it. So it's like they want to have it both ways. Gender doesn't mean anything. But if I can figure out what gender I am, that I can find out who I am. Right. Mm. It's either nothing. Which one is or it? Or it is something. It's like, nothing or something. We can't celebrate feminism and women, but also celebrate if gender being fluid and right. being whatever, right. being nothing not important and she's she said like at the very beginning that that uh gender doesn't relay information information i'm thinking yet yeah, actually it does uh there's very specific information that comes with gender <laughs> it's actually information it's, uh, <laughs> it is have legitimately information man parts, Legit- you know, like, le- legitimate information genetic, yes. G- genetics yes, yes exactly real information at the bottom uh and it also should be pointed out obviously it's a radio show so you can't see it right now but um is it dashiel dashiel Dash- Dashiel? Yeah, Dashiel. I think she says Dashiel. They say Dashiel. Okay. Okay. So Dashiel is, uh, she looks like like a boy. She looks like like a boy. And the other one looks like a female. And uh, and, uh, the female one has a shirt that looks like a lot of different candy wrappers and um, so just trying to give you a, a port an image in your head of what, what you're what you're listening to right now. Okay. So um, here we go. I was at the very beginning of deciding to try to have a baby by myself. So I've always known that I wanted to have kids someday. I thought I... Okay, I, I want to stop there for a moment now. This is interesting, and I think it needs to be pointed out. Um, when people live in this way, when people reject their creator, and it says in Romans chapter 1, therefore God gave them over. When God gives people over to do what is against nature, now they may, may try to live that way. They try to live consistently with it. They try to celebrate it, as Summer said. But what's interesting here, in this moment, she says, I tried to have a baby by myself. No, no, you didn't. Mm. No, you didn't. Right. Um, you didn't. Right. You didn't have a baby by yourself. What you had to do was step out of your worldview. You had to step out of your life where gender doesn't matter. It doesn't give you any information, and you had to move along the stream of information that leads you to a male to actually take parts and components out of the the way the world actually is 
to be able to produce a child. So what happens is, is people live this way, but they can't live this way consistently. It's many right. times we'd say, like the atheist, he can't be consistent with his own framework and what he says about the world, or she. And so they say one thing about the world, and then what they have to do is operate secretly depending upon the biblical worldview in order to live in God's world. It's, in an, ins- it's an inescapable reality. God this is his world. We are in his image. He's created us with distinctions, male and female. God created them in the image of God. He created them. And so when people want to live this way, they try to live with consistent patterns, right? And that gender doesn't matter. The information is not there. Um, I, I'm confused. But now I want to have a baby. And so what do I have to do now? I have to step out of what I say about the world and what doesn't matter. And I have to actually enter into the world the way that it really is and operate consistently with God's world. And so I can't live female to female and produce a child and so i want a baby it's a longing i think that women have um and so uh they reach into god's world they take parts and pieces that work and then they go okay now i have a baby and so then they take that baby and then they go back to living the way that they were trying to function in god's world antithetically to the way that God has actually set it up and so that's i think just um powerful which by the way they had to take uh certain bits from different genders right to make that baby happen right well and think about the selfishness that it takes to to make the conscious decision to deprive a child of a father we have an entire generation of people hurting from fatherlessness Mm -hmm. from divorce from families without two parents and here's this woman who's making a conscious choice to have a child who's going to be deprived of a father and such yeah. an important role in their life. Yeah. And it doesn't matter because she's serving herself. Mm. Right. Yeah. Probably would end up trying to go down the path of having a baby alone also. I just didn't know if the right person was out there to take that journey with. When we got ready to go on our first date, my best friends at the time, they asked me to not talk about wanting to have kids with Michelle. I brought it up, I think, on some other casual dates a little too soon. Um, <laughs> because it was something that was really, it was important to me. But with Michelle, they said I should probably slow my roll a little bit. And then not knowing that she was actually what? trying to have a baby. <laughs> they got married in 2013. Michelle became pregnant via a donor People asked in 2014. People you're a girl, for whatever that means, because this person could be anybody. You hear that right away. You hear like boys are like this. Hear that? Whatever that means, a boy or a girl, mm-hmm. whatever yeah. that means. Is it going to be a boy or a girl? Whatever that means. Whatever that means. Well, for her, it meant all the masculine things that she wants to be. Mm. You know, when she describes her journey, mm. she was missing all of these boy things, and then now she's asserting, "Well, what does being a boy even mean?" Yeah, right. It means something to her. Yeah, clearly, it does. Wow, good insight. Yeah, that's powerful and uh, so confusing. So utterly confusing. And it's just, I think the, the madness of it all is that it's so celebrated. I mean, that's how you know, like Romans 1 is like right there before us because what's Romans 1 say at the end? It says they not only do them, they know that it's worthy. Those who do such things, practice those things, deserve to die. But they not only do them, they applaud. Heartily. Right. They heartily, heartily approve. They applaud those who do them and so this is this is like that like this is the video has 1.3 million views 38,000 likes you know whatever that means it, it I think it shows the how many dislikes just curious 18,000 uh, which is interesting um, 
That is that is interesting. So uh, it it is something that's celebrated in our culture. At least, like I said, okay, let me just say this: I don't think that it's fundamentally celebrated in America in terms of like what real communities think and believe in the world. But it's celebrated in the media, and so exactly. what's captured in the media is this celebration, and then therefore it it gets a launching pad to 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 become again the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. That's really really what it is. Girls are like that. But as soon as we found out that we were having a boy, something just sort of clicked. We have this amazing person. You're having a what? A gender? A boy. They're having a boy. Can't, oh. Can't do it. Can't live that can't way. Do it. <laughs> you can't live that way. We're having a boy. Doesn't matter, but we're having a boy. Whatever uh, that means. Whatever that means. But and it's a boy. Whoever that person is, they're perfect. But you also, you like all of these like stereotypically boy things. I would say things like stereotypically what things? Boy things. Boy things. <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. Oh God, like what if he wants to play sports and you'd be like, that's great, I'll be the coach. It's really funny because he's super into sports. Like maybe he was like an Olympic athlete in his past life. He just came with all of these sporting talents that are like visible at 17 months. That's what- Who came? He, he came. Right. He came. Yeah. These, these masculine traits were yep. actually he was born with them. Yeah. Can you believe well, that? You believe it, by, calling, by calling him he, they're not actually raising him in a gender neutral right. environment. Right. Like they're just throwing that away because technically they should Home be Z. no. Z. There shouldn't, that distinction shouldn't be made. Yeah. Because they're teaching him that he's a him. Mm. Yeah. You can't avoid it. It's like it's an impossible world to construct for yourself. It's a house of cards. Well, and as we continue to listen and watch this i think it's worth uh mentioning that i think all like it's i think it's interesting to think of it in this way that you know we make self and we make man an idol and then when that doesn't work because we're not perfect and we're not god we have to figure out some way like okay well that wasn't right so maybe like this is right like now instead of okay so i made myself my own god a female but like that's not working so like maybe gender is nothing so like but then that's not working so maybe it is something so it, this is just sort of a it's just like the world's scramble to keep themselves god yeah mm. oh yes dashel like growing up she just like easily relates to him on that level i'm constantly trying to like queer my relationship with him and get him to wear tutus he hates it like he's just like no when i Oh, that that's abuse. not gender neutral. Who taught that's him not that? gender neutral. Who taught him that? Right. If you're putting right. a child in a tutu, that's not encouraging right. a gender neutral <clears throat> environment. This little boy didn't want to wear a tutu, and they are surprised by it. Mm -hmm. But are they really? Well, it's interesting because um, I, I've done some looking around, and um, I'm sure it's a much larger discussion that could be had. I'm sure somebody would try to shoot this point down. But I, I did some looking around at some of these young kids, like 9, 10 years old, that are now going through transition. Um, I think it's just unbelievably uh, sad. It's so horrific just to, to watch these stories of these kids, and they do it in such a way as to try to celebrate it and to make it so emotional. And it's just, it's pulling on my heartstrings for sure, but not in the way I think they intend. But I, I watched a video the other day, and I have to try to find a way to dig it up. And it was about a boy that was turning into a girl and when it showed the family pictures and photos of like one years old, two years old, three years old, um, it showed the parents dressing this child up like a girl. 
And I thought to myself, well, how much of that do you think had to do with what this child is mm. thinking now at nine years old and the transition that they want to go through? Mm. I mean, what, what were you feeding into this relationship? And some of them might say, no, 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 we didn't feed anything to the relationship. We would never do that. And here you have a couple like this uh, admitting to the fact that they're forcing their particular view of the world upon their child, which is what, let's be honest, everybody does. Hey. Let's, every, nobody's neutral. Every parent indoctrinates their child. It's a question of what's actually true. Right. Um, however, they are forcing this little boy to put on a tutu and he's rejecting it. No, no. And, you know, and, and we're trying to queer him. How is that not absolute abuse of a child? Uh, their person even in their own worldview right it is it's like Uh. well and the madness would be if for some reason the 17 month old decided that he enjoyed wearing this tutu right then it's as if the conclusion would be reached that well potentially he's not a boy right and then the discussion turns into well who's the parent here how what's harmless what's not the world has no answers for this kind of thing and you can find all kinds of uh gender reassignment people who who go through the quote-unquote transition and then later in life regret it right the stuff yeah. is out there it's on youtube and they're warning us they're right. attempting to warn us a lot of them or commit suicide a lot of them commit well, suicide. many people even say um many people would say like you know transitioning is not actually the cure right. for what you're feeling mm. like people right. who have transitioned i've seen tons of videos right where or like uh you know i've watched even sometimes i've just watched like uh you know, uh, male to female makeup tutorials or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in right. the comments, it'll say like, just a warning to everybody, like transitioning or taking hormones or whatever is not the cure for what this is. So even in that culture, right. it's not considered, you know, the fix right. for what's actually going on. Right. Yeah. I watched a video yesterday on a, a person who went from male to female um, and uh, looked like a beautiful woman. I mean, it was just I mean, incredible. Um, but this person was, I mean, bawling his eyes out, mm. um, over the pain of the, the gender reassignment surgery. Um, just, he's like, I just got to warn everybody. It's a lie, um, to say that this is just an easy process right. and you got to do it cause it makes you happy. And once you have that yeah. body that you feel like you were born into, that mm-hmm. it's just all gonna mm-hmm. go away. Yeah. It doesn't. That's, yeah. I mean, there's nothing. Right. That suggests that actually that that's actually what happened. Right. He was saying that um, he almost died. You know. You know. He was like, "Well, it was just maybe something happened with him personally." Well, he's saying I almost died, and the and and I, I he said that he said that when I I, I was coming to, I was uh, immediately regretting what I had done because of how painful this was, and she thought to he thought to himself, "What am I doing to myself?" Well, that's an adult. That's an adult. That's not. Mm. A child that has been indoctrinated potentially right. to think that they are right. A certain way yeah. or whatever and and so i'm super i'm a big into comic books and there's this comic book anthology i have and one of my favorite ones and there is this comic of this little boy that wears a tutu from a young age and like the mom's like all supportive and the dad's like what? no son of mine or whatever and then the very last panel of the comic is him like in the tutu and he's like holding this like little wand type thing but he's imagining himself as like this Scottish Lord that he saw somewhere and it's just he's too little to mm. tell them like that like I'm not seeing myself in it so even when these things like it's all just us it's just us humans like parents taking their kids doing certain things and saying like oh well, they're acting like a girl but they're a boy so it's just 
it's not it's not right to subject that onto a child and then even in that comic book there was no sexuality even involved in that he was playing a game where he was this his hero or whatever you know uh, yeah uh, so my my son stellar uh, wanted to say hi say hi hi he loves uh he's growing up in the studio so uh yeah, yeah he's he's gonna be on like a bunch of the episodes <laughs> well hey just while he's sitting here it's interesting um last night i took him uh to go see a movie and uh, so we're going to see a late movie together. We're driving in the car and he's always listening. He's in the car listening to everything. He's listening to Dr. White constantly. And, and uh, he's, uh, uh, did you know that Summer is Dr. White's daughter? Did you know that? Did also you know? Clementine's mom. That's right. That's Clement- you know Clementine's mom. That's Clementine's mom. Who may be more famous. Clementine loves than Clementine. your dad. Right. Clementine loves all of the Durbin children. Yeah. She sees them. She's like, hey, best friend. Yeah, I think she loves everyone. She also everyone. loves me. She, she also loves everyone. She just loves uh, she don't love me. <laughs> Pastor Jeff was on my TV the other day on YouTube and she literally hugged the dresser the TV was sitting on. I said, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. So uh, I'm in the car last night and we're going to the movies and I'm playing something and it was, we're going to get to it in a moment here, the Democrats who are trying to do the sit-in. It just goes to show you like how what you teach your children has such a dramatic effect on them, even little things here and there. So he asked the question, he said, what are they talking about? And I said, they're trying to take away guns from people. Okay, so I throw it out. They're trying to take guns away from people. And so his automatic response didn't feed into it, didn't say anything. His response to my saying, these are people trying to take away guns, his response was, he goes, well, that would mean that the good guys couldn't fight the bad guys. Boom. Mic right. drop. It, was, I, 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 right. it, it hit me in that moment. I was mm-hmm. like, isn't that amazing? From the mouth That's of just Abe. the simple foundation, and yeah. there it is. He's That's a, really, you don't even need to go further right. than that. <laughs> and that, by the way, is worldview. And that is, call it indoctrination, I call it righteousness and truth. But kids are grabbing hold of things constantly from their parents, and they're viewing the world through a particular lens. They're either going to do it biblically, or they're going to do it in a way that's antithetical to Scripture, and they're raising this child... I mean, it's brutal what they're doing to this child's mind or trying to do to this child's mind. So I just say, pray, listen, we, we're talking about this now. Obviously, we're critiquing it, but pray for this boy. Goodness, for goodness sakes. Hold on. Yeah. Just real quick. Uh, speaking of no neutrality. So if you go to Google and you Google queer, because I was curious, like, what is the official definition of queer? Which, as an adjective, it's strange or odd. Inter- interestingly enough, as a verb, it means to spoil or ruin. What, I'm, what I was going to say is, if you type in queer on Google, a rainbow flag pops up. Across the, across the top of the page. A rainbow a banner. banner yeah. of a rainbow banner yeah. comes up. Whoa. So, they've changed the meaning of gay, they've changed the meaning of queer, and they were attempting to change the meaning of the word marriage. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Powerful stuff. I catch myself trying to do these things. It ends up really just making me feel really retro and dumb about gender. It just takes me away from the reality of, like, him. Like, Atticus. Like, who is he? What, what does he want? And the sort of purity of the things that he's interested in or delighted by. Obviously, I want to support whatever he he wants to be. You want to support whatever he wants to be, but you're attempting to force a change of mind on him to, quote-unquote, queer him. And so, so, I mean, let's be honest. We don't believe you. Why why did they give him a boy name? Because he's a boy. (laughs) They cannot escape it. Yeah. And for now, on the birth certificate, you have to claim a gender but that's that's going away too mm. 
This group is the Roly Polies group. It's like this really big mom's group. I certainly have like a moment of hesitation around hearing mom's group. Are there dads there? Are there other people like me? I'm definitely... No, it's a mom's group. Mom's group, right. And, yeah. and if gender doesn't matter, then why do you care which gender shows up? Right. That's right. That's right. Aware of being his Baba. Dashiell goes by Baba, and that's something that a lot more masculine female people and even some trans men who are parents are going by Baba as an alternative to mom or dad. But they've all been awesome. I really like the, the moms that are in our group very much. I haven't felt weird for not being a traditional mom. It's really nice to have that support group for sure. He is taking in kind of kid media. He has this great book that's like just pictures and words, but when you open it up, it's like a picture of a girl and a picture of a boy, and it's like, girl, boy. I'm just like, child, child. This is where he starts learning like what things are, and so I hate the idea that he's getting imprinted on him. People who look like this are boys, and people who look like that are girls. Even something that's like... Well, you named him Atticus. Right, and she's sitting there dressed as a girl, and then Dash, Dashel, Dashel mm -hmm. yeah. is sitting there dressed as a boy, while she critiques the fact that in media, boys are dressed like boys, mm. and girls are dressed like girls. Which, by the way, Baba like just means daddy. So there's also right. another non-neutral. Also, non, non also I believe term. that's Chinese, Baba, which is Russian? like a huge. Oh, um, I'm trying to figure it out right which now. Which is I'll a huge like uh, patriarchal society. It's all about. I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean like yeah. respect for the family and respect mm -hmm. for the father. So mm -hmm. it is interesting that they would wow go in that direction. Interesting. All the monsters are boys unless they have like a bow in their hair and the sparkly necklace on. Like why is old McDonald like a guy? Why couldn't it be a lesbian farmer? It's yeah. everywhere. I mean, it is. It's everywhere. I think those are things that we are probably more aware of than most people anyway. But yeah. with him, we're probably really sensitive to it. Sometimes. No, you hate it. That's, that's what's really going on. You're sensitive to it. No, you hate it. You hate the world that God has created. You want to create a different world for yourself. It's, it's just not possible. It's an inescapable reality. God, he's the center of it all. And he's testifying to them in all their experience and every moment of their lives. And so Romans chapter one, beyond saying that God has shown himself to all of us, that's an internal uh, uh, sensus divinitatis, uh, John Calvin uh, called it, to the sense of, of God. We all are aware of God as creator, not as redeemer, but as creator and the, the, the heavens themselves, the creation, the created order itself testifies to every single one of us, each and every one of us, what is actually true about God and the world. And so what's, what's going on is not a sensitivity. You hate the world that God has made and you want a new God in your image and you want a new world that you form for yourself. Best thing to do feels like to be constantly challenging. And then sometimes it's almost just to ignore gender completely. And he's being raised by a gender non-conforming person. So just the existence of Dashiell is going to be a huge piece of information about the reality of what gender is or is. It's really amazing that they can't see what's so apparent and obvious to all of us. When, when, he, when she says that this other woman is non-gender conforming, it's, it's, so, it's so amazing. It's, no, you are. You're conforming to a male gender. You're trying right. to look right. like a man. Right. Their wedding photo, let's talk about their wedding photo, because this is the point of your blog. The, the wedding photo itself, um, the, the one woman is dressed like a man in a tuxedo while the other one looks like the bride wearing, wearing white, a white dress. Right, so it, it, the, the question is, you're not conforming to a gender, why are you assuming the role of a man? 
if you aren't a specific gender, if you can be whatever you want to be, then why does one of you take the masculine role and one of you take the feminine role? Right. It makes no sense. Yeah. It's easy to take for granted sometimes the environments that we're in mm -hmm. because they are special, but they're still small. All of these questions and, and concerns that we have about gender, I know tons of straight couples who have these exact same questions and concerns. Everybody needs to be reconsidering the way that they're presenting gender to their kids. It's not even whether or not Atticus is personally going to be a genderqueer, gender fluid person. Atticus could grow up and be a completely traditionally cisgendered male and he needs to understand the variety of genders that are out there so he can be a respectful human being in the world. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> That's not really what they're talking about at this point though. What is variety it? of genders did they <laughs> did they cover? Right. What, what variety was that exactly? I missed it because I, I heard two. I saw two. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's powerful stuff, and it's, um, you know, I mean, it's it's definitely a struggle because, I mean, for me personally, um, I don't know, it's almost like, Summer, you've you've kind of grown up, what, when were you born? 89. Eight, 89. Yes. So, uh, your real formative years, um, when you're a little older, you're, you're capturing most of this stuff around the year 2000 and onward is where it really starts to take root. Um, I, and I mean, I think that that's my own mind. What I can think of as a real change, like at the turn of the the turn of of the century, you begin to see a real rush toward this stuff. And I even remember your dad uh, saying on the dividing line many times. And I even told your dad once. I was like, I don't think I ever took you serious seriously as I as I should have. Oh, he, yeah. he said, I don't think I took myself as seriously <laughs> as I should have. He used to say that. Um, you know, it's it's moving at, at at a fast pace. He's keeping a folder, he says, in his computer for all of the decline of of the Western world, and it's coming upon us quickly. And it, and and I and I think I was like, yeah, I see it, but I don't know if it's going to switch as fast as you're saying, and maybe it can stop. No, we're there, we're there. Uh, more rev revolutionaries um, now. We're just we're we're in it now. Here here's don't get me wrong. Of course, I mean I have hope, and I know who Christ is, and I know his his power to change the world and, and through the gospel and all that. Um, but, and, and I know that fundamentally in communities across this nation, you have people that are not this ignorant and see the, the world at least as clearly as God has displayed it and, and, they, and they grab hold of that and they don't want this necessarily to be what it is. But we have to all grant the fact, I mean, Luke brings up a good point. On Google, you type in queer and Google has a special banner that they put over that mm -hmm. page. They've already thought through it. They're already on it. They're, they're already there. And uh, YouTube and all these major companies, this is this is the way to go. And if you don't go this way, you're in big, big trouble. I mean, like, you know, years and years ago, or two years ago, I think, Chick-fil-A, the owner of Chick-fil-A makes a comment in uh, a Baptist publication about ma what marriage is, and it, it created this firestorm that a company this big would even think to conform to the biblical worldview in terms of marriage and human sexuality. It's, it's really um, an amazing thing. It, it has not really been a snail's pace. In about a generation, we've, we've flipped as a nation onto our heads. And I will say this nation is actually very young. Uh, started by Christians, Calvinists came over, did what they did for the glory of God, kingdom of God, weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. It wasn't a utopia. But they had a particular view of the world and everybody did. Even if you weren't a Christian, Christianity was the atmosphere. And uh, within really 
the short life of our nation, we've seen a complete turn away from God's standards and his law. And in this last generation in particular, it's just a complete and utter um, display of ruin as a, as a nation. And we are going to, I think we're going to reap the rewards for that. Uh, it won't take long. And here's the hope I think I want to have. Maybe you guys can talk about this right now. The beauty of this moment in terms of the future is that who are the people having families ordered and structured the way that God says the blueprint of society hmm. this is the way the society works God gives us a blueprint here's how the family works here's how you're supposed to operate who are the people that are actually having families now those who hold to a distinctly biblical worldview about men and women about marriage and family who it, who's having the kids well let me just say this right now even though this couple had to reach into God's world to take parts and pieces into their world to make their world work they're having one child Okay. Statistically speaking, a society cannot function, flourish, and actually grow and move into the next generation or, or the one after that if you're having children at that level. So unbelievers are having children then killing them via abortion. And when they do have families, they're not having families with the numbers necessary to bring right. them into the next generation and the generation after that. Who's doing that? It's the, it's the Christians mm-hmm. that are having kids. And it's also, of course, we have Muslims having children on a yes. large scale. But but watch this. Muslims hold to a distinctly biblical worldview in terms of the family unit. They don't hold to this worldview. So unbelievers, atheists, while they try to form little societies like this to make it function, it won't function. So I want to say this. Okay. So how come unbelievers are destroying the family, not having kids, and when they have kids, they kill them, right? Okay, so they're, they don't they don't have the capability to move. Right? How come, though, we have so much secularism and atheism and unbelieving thought rampant in society? Well, I think, obviously, it's a gospel issue. People's hearts are wicked. They love their sin more than they love God. I grant, Granted all that, but let's talk about, like, real practical things. How come all of these of this generation still is adopting the unbeliever's perspective on the world and family? And I would say, because I think that as Christians in this generation... We are handing our kids off to the world to be discipled by the world, whether that's through public school or whether it's through media, whether it's through uh, the different avenues that people can get into our kids' heads. We give our kids to the world and they adopt the world's worldview. And so, again, how do we win this? Well, we got to start raising our children up in the way they're supposed to go. We do it imperfectly, of course, but we have to point them to Christ, give them the gospel, and we have to raise our children up with a rigorous Christian worldview and to be able to think critically about things. And that's how I think we could take over the world again. It's a real Amen. opportunity right now, for sure, because we're coming out of the last few generations being pretty much discipled by Sunday schools. Mm. So we ourselves, like whoever, like people who are running families weren't well discipled. And so that's sort of the like legacy that we give on to our families but like there's an opportunity now if you're a parent to not do that absolutely so it's important I had a friend say you know I saw this video I never would have known how to respond mm-hmm. and I'm thinking mm-hmm. the gospel mm-hmm. is right. the answer right. uh, and he made them male and female and and what's the importance of of that and what does that mean these are all it goes back to the same thing my dad told me when I was eight it's no I'm not going to teach you everything that's wrong with Mormonism I'm going to teach you everything that's right with Jesus Mm. and then you will be able to speak to Mormons you will be able to speak to gender issues you'll be able to speak truth into any situation that you're confronted if you have that foundation and it's 
sorely missing right now, I feel, from our churches. Yeah, yeah. and there's something, one more thing. I think Luke, you look like you were going to say something. Um, I just want to put this in. Um, I, I've said I've said a lot that um, you know I've been heavily influenced by a, a handful of, of, of men, godly men, uh, dead ones and living ones. And w- one of the people who's had the greatest impact in my mind is, is Dr. White. And um, what he's he's often said he's talked about how Christians need to know where their Bibles come from and be able to answer these hard questions because when our kids go off to school, if they get some professor, a liberal professor that takes down the Bible and just brings up stuff that can easily be refuted, our kids can't handle it um, and then they go off into unbelief. Right. And so I think that what's important for us is to recognize that it's the Christian church it's the Christian church's responsibility to educate. Yep. And to raise up and teach um, a biblical, a rigorous big biblical worldview, and to be able to interact with the world on their own ground. So, like for example, like your your dad when he has like Sunday school at PRBC. I mean, you're, he's doing like church history. He's doing like pretty serious like yeah. transmission of the text of the Bible. He was doing like the synoptics for like many many years in Sunday school. A decade. Yeah, it was like a decade, mm-hmm. and. Um, I still have the book uh, that I got from your dad on on that when I went to uh, that ugly blue thing. The ugly blue thing. That thing was uh, it was amazing. It's hideous. Yeah, it was hideous, it but it's amazing. Content wise. <laughs> but if you try to buy that thing now, it's like two hundred fifty bucks or three hundred really? bucks online. Yeah, they don't yeah. not making it. Um, but wow. anyway, so I've learned a lot that I know that apology at church will grow very very incrementally and slowly um, through the preaching ministry that we and teaching ministry that we have because you know we have Thursday nights we're doing Herman Bovink as a Bible study Herman Bovink Reformed Dogmatics four volumes uh, when we do our Bible studies or our, our sermons uh, at church we're we're trying to address the tough issues in scripture we're trying to engage with the world on their own ground trying to prepare people and I know here's the thing when you're having an hour-long sermon when the typical sermon in an evangelical megachurch is like 25 to 30 minutes, I know that it taxes people. People come in and they're like, the, I, one, one time a guy came to visit church that worked with me at the hospital. He had seen the stuff we had in the dailies at um, the Addiction Recovery Center. He was really, really encouraged by the, watching the Q&A sessions. So he wanted to come to church. So he comes to church. He listens to one message, which is like a sta- which is standard fare at Apologia Church. And I saw him at, at, at the hospital the next day. I said, well, how, how, how was it? How how'd you enjoy worship? And I didn't know much about his background, where he was. And he was like, oh, it was too heavy for me, man. That's too much for me. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I know that that happens often. People come to Apologia Church, and the message is an hour long, and it's detailed, and it's hard, and we talk about repentance, and we talk about sin. You know, it, it cuts, and it's hard. I know we're going to grow slowly as a church. We're not going to grow uh, to 5,000 people overnight because of the nature of how we do things. Right. But here's the, th- here's the thing. If we don't raise up Christians to know their Bibles and know how to engage with this stuff, no matter how big your church is, it's filled with it's filled with a lot of false converts, and it's filled with people who could not engage with the world on the most basic challenges the world brings to us. Yeah, yeah. He tells that story because I actually had a college professor slam on my desk in front of my face because he was Mm. attempting to attack um, the Gospels. And he made some egregious error. But he tried to attack the veracity of the scriptures. And he ascribed the writing of the Gospels to uh, the Hebrew language, which I could not stand for. And so when I, I thought politely, I don't know, I was 19, who knows. I thought I politely corrected him that um, the New Testament was written in Greek and Aramaic. And uh, he kind of lost his mind a little bit. He kind of, um, he, he didn't kind of, he got in my face. He slammed, wow. he slammed the desk and uh, 
My dad had something to say about that. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> My dad yeah. had something to say about that. But it's just the most simple. I mean, who doesn't know that the New Testament was written in Greek and Aramaic? It, it, we should know this. Christians should right. know this. And here's this professor standing up in front of this class, the philosophy class, trying to attack the veracity of the scriptures based on a language they weren't even written in, in terms of the New Testament. You mean the New Testament was not written in Hebrew? The New Testament was not written in Hebrew mm. or the King James English. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know. Just so you know. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, Jerry's, Jerry's in what? the chair right now. <laughs> like, he's like under the table. He's under the table. All right, guys, we'll take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about some more stuff happening in the world. We're going to do it uh, with uh, the biblical worldview and hope it's a blessing to you guys and an encouragement. So stay with us. Don't forget, guys, you can sign up for All Access and get more content and join with our ministry and what we're doing to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. Um, and uh, please pray for us. Pray for us as a ministry. We have a lot of stuff coming up. Our church plan in the island of Kauai, the mission stuff we have on the island. We have a lot of stuff happening and we really do need your your love and support and prayers. And before we go, I will leave you with this. Got a message yesterday through Facebook and it was somebody that I do not even know. And they just popped a message to me and they said that he and his wife had listened to Apologia Radio and it was encouraged and inspired about the abortion mill ministry that we're engaged in, bringing the gospel to the abortion mills. And he notified me that since his wife and he have been going to the abortion mill in their area since March, that they have seen God save five babies from death. Praise God. That's right. And they had actually one of these women stay with them for two months in their house to care for her. Um, so here's here's why I bring it up. Not in any way to glory and apology of church and the ministry that God has given to us, but just to point something out to you. When you labor for Christ and you do things for God faithfully, you don't know how God is using that and how one little move, one little word, one little conversation on the radio can lead somebody to action to serve Christ that leads to five people alive right now because of, of us just mentioning what God is doing in us. So Sola Deo Gloria is what we have to say about that to God alone be the glory but my encouragement to you is to not ultimately be discouraged by what you see in the world around us because here's the thing Jesus wins and he's reigning and his gospel is mighty to save and so you just do the faithful work and God um, he He does everything you just you just speak the truth and God will bring the world and nations to Christ all the families Amen. of the earth will return and worship the Lord Psalm 22 says so we'll be right back guys For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build Him a house, not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world. Not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college, to equip students with the tools to build and fight. This is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, visit us online at nsa.edu forward slash explore. 
Ladies and gentlemen, beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy downfall. Protect your manlyhood. An epic combination of manliness and manhood. If you are hearing this today, there is hope for your beard. Go to yukonsbeard.com and enter the code APOLOGIA and you can save some money while you save your face. As the culture declines and as people move farther and farther away from God's word, the biblical worldview, and from God's standards in scripture, we're going to begin to see the force of that, the weight of that upon our society. And it impacts us everywhere. Theology matters. Our worldview matters. It impacts so much around us. And so... When, when you think about the fact that the biblical worldview was, again, like I said earlier in the show, in the atmosphere in this nation early on, um, when they had questions about justice, when they had questions about society, when they had questions about law, it, it really would have been just commonplace. Well, what would God say about this? You know, what, what would God's word say about this? What would uh, the general equity of God's law here say about this? Um... You know, really fascinating, actually, now that we're on the subject, uh, your dad did um, a walk through the Leviticus uh, law, the laws in Leviticus, and it was just fantastic. Like when he would address particular laws, he would actually even show what the general equity today would look like if, if that were actually held to. So that's just how Christians thought. And so when you look at even the first Supreme Court justice in this nation, John Jay, and you look at the legal code, there, was, there were even pointers to the word of God in the legal code as our nation began. And so it's a powerful point to make. And you think about how is this nation started and how did we view um, the world? Well, we viewed it through a biblical lens. Even if you had people who were not Christians like Benjamin Franklin, mm-hmm. not a Christian, um, but a profound sympathy respect for the biblical worldview i mean he was in love with george whitfield he loved to go listen to george whitfield there's a famous story about benjamin franklin and whitfield would go cross back and forth um uh to to england to the united states to preach and he was preaching in the united states he was preaching throughout the colonies up and down the the coast and he was preaching back in england and preaching on the boats back and forth i mean they would bring ships together to hear whitfield preach he literally preached himself to death he was the night of his death he had preached all day and then he was going up the stairs and the house was full of people and as he was going up the stairs he gave like a last sermon <laughs> and he went and died um and so anyway whitfield didn't just preach uh, the gospel and 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 really really focus in upon regeneration the need for the new birth um, he also was a big part of um, orphanages across the United States uh, seaboard. 
and he would always come and he'd preach and he would raise money for the orphanages and Benjamin Franklin loved to hear Whitfield and he went to go listen to Whitfield but before he left he left his money at home because he knew that if he went that Whitfield would convince him to give money to the orphanage and when he went he listened to Whitfield and he ended up borrowing money from somebody <laughs> to give towards <laughs> oh, the orphanage anyway so uh, Franklin wasn't a, a Christian but a profound and deep respect for the law of God and the Bible the biblical worldview society operating according to biblical standards so when you look at our nation, you look at, say, the Bill of Rights and you look at our Constitution, I, I think, you know, you, you have to point to the fact that, look, there's you know, there's a direct quote from a Bible passage there, and this is what was behind that law. You know, you think about things like due process that we have in the United States right now. Well, for now. Um, <laughs> not even really now. Which um, we're learning isn't yeah, a thing. Yeah, and we're dealing with stuff right now, trying to minister to people that are going through stuff with the courts right now. Totally unjust. I mean talk about like god's law and and you know god's word mattering i mean man you you know you can say all you want like i don't think it really matters but until you have someone in front of you whose life is being utterly destroyed i mean trust me it matters a lot so um when you look at things like due process in the scriptures you can't i was just talking to sage brothers last week you can't just say it's a given societies in the world believe in due process and they believe in natural rights of self-defense and all these things you can't just say that because it's not true and if you do just even a cursory look at societies in the world when you look at pagan nations pagan nations don't give rise to the laws that we have in our nation today they just they just don't i mean you 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 have in our nation it's supposed to be you are innocent until proven guilty it's up to the person who is bringing the charge to prove that you're guilty. You're not just guilty and now you got to, oh no, prove your innocence. You are innocent until someone can prove you guilty. And by the way, that is attached directly to the laws in Moses, Mm -hmm. where biblical law framework says that a person has to bring charges and there has to be two to three eyewitnesses. That means there has to be two to three independent lines of testimony. Jesus appealed to that standard, by the way, in his ministry. The Apostle Paul appeals to that standard in his epistles. It's just assumed, don't you know, that's God's standard. Don't bring any charge. Uh, don't receive any accusation against an elder unless it's on the basis of two or three witnesses. That's by the Apostle Paul. That's after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. And he says, you're supposed to know this. Don't bring any accusation. Don't receive it against an elder unless there's two to three witnesses and so so again when you look at the laws in our nation innocent until proven guilty due process no right to uh, uh, a warrantless search and seizure that is all fundamentally based on the laws in the bible okay so as our society becomes more and more pagan as our society moves farther and farther away from God's law and God's standards, they begin to say, well, what's the reason for this law? Why do we need the Second Amendment? What's the First Amendment? What good really is that? And why do we really need due process? I mean, come on. Is it really that important? And, you know, here's one. Why do we need warrantless searches and seizures to take people's stuff or to look at people's stuff? Like, what's the point? Like, does, prop- does personal property really matter? I mean, come on. Why can't the government just come in and say, hey, we think you're guilty. We're going to spy on you. <laughs> like, why not? And here's the thing. If you don't have a heart that despises injustice, you'll adopt it. And you'll say, hey, let's do a sit-in. And let's, let's demand that we don't have due process. Let's demand that we see people as guilty and they got to prove themselves innocent. Why? Because personal property doesn't matter if you love larceny. Right. If larceny is in your heart, 
then you don't have any reason to complain. You say, no, just take people's stuff. Like, what's the big deal? Take it. doesn't matter. And, you know, here's the thing. The biblical worldview is fundamentally, like, like one of the things that holds the whole thing up is the issue of justice. Like, it matters a lot. <laughs> and God talks a lot about justice. He says that his throne is established on justice. And here's what I want to say. No matter where you are at, or at in the law of God issue, like no matter what, like let's, let's all agree to something. Like the same God uh, of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. And I believe that if God shows us he's concerned in the Bible for injustice, he's still concerned with injustice. Like the cross of Jesus Christ doesn't remove from God his command of justice and desire for justice like he's still concerned for justice in the world and i think that it's i think it's dangerous for us to say that with christ the king coming into the world being the king of kings the lord of lords uh when the father says to the son the nations are your inheritance the end of the earth for your possession he tells the kings to obey the son of a parish like when you when you think about the fact that jesus is reigning now on his throne like how could we ever say that the biblical worldview is less comprehensive in the New Testament, right? Like, why are we saying that in the New Testament, God has a less comprehensive worldview than in the old? Okay, so again, this is not an issue of where you're at in the law of God. It's just fundamentally a question of, does God still care about justice? Does he still care about personal property? Does he still care about how people are treated in courts, right? But what's the Proverbs say about uh, an abomination in uh, the, the, the person who declares the innocent guilty and the person who actually lets the, the wicked go is an abomination mm-hmm. in, God's, in God's sight. It's an abomination to do that. So God, in the Proverbs, can we have the Proverbs, guys? Can we at least have the Proverbs? Can we have that? Yes. Okay, so if we at least have the Proverbs, we see that God says that unjust scales and wickedness in the court system is an abomination to God. Okay. All right. So there was another thing that happened this week. Lots of things that happened, but here's another one. Um, After Orlando, which was awful, um, 50 people being murdered and the other ones injured. Let's, it's awful. I mean, it's just a horrific massacre. And I'm actually in some ways like stunning that, that this man was able to do this to this many people. I mean, I've, I've shot guns for a long time. I have weapons and, um, I think I'm all right. Like, I'm pretty good. Like, I can hit dead center um, quite often. And I don't know how in the world this man did this to this many people. It's really, really stunning. Um, you should probably shot a lot of guns, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dead yeah, center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead center, yeah. y'all. <clears throat> 1945, um, anyway. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. With my weapon of faith. Yeah. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, okay, so after Orlando, what was the name of the club? Pulse. 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 After the Pulse you know shootings. Um, after the well, Pulse shootings. What? It's all over the news. Uh, yeah, after the Pulse shootings. That's why. Um, Nobody else knew. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> immediately, our president did what everybody knew was going to happen. He immediately right. abandoned any talk about radical, fundamentalist, Islamic extremist terrorist groups even though the man called 911 and said Allahu Akbar and mm-hmm. he said that he was doing it in the name of you know Allah and he was doing it uh, for ISIS uh, mm-hmm. you know and uh, even though he said all that 
our president comes up and speaks about what? Gun, gun grabs. Gun control. One thing yeah. that uh, no one's talking about, too, is that the, the feds immediately seized the, the 911 tape of him declaring allegiance to the Islamic State. Yeah, and they scrubbed it initially of all talk that would point to Islam and um, and then that was finally put back in because of the outcry against it. I do want to point people, by the way, you're on the show, so let's talk a lot about it. Your dad did a, a discussion that got him in some hot water last week mm. regarding Islam because he told Christians, look, be consistent. You can't just say this this codifies all of Islam. Not every Muslim wants to kill you. You know, you can't act like that. Right. However, our president... You know, couldn't just say the words and, and went immediately for guns. And so there's another opportunity now. Let's get right back to the gun grab again. And let's pe- let's pull on the emotional heartstrings. Let's try to make people feel a certain way about this. I mean, like I said, when I played for my son, Elijah Cummings, uh, no, or was it John Lewis? John Lewis. Um, going up to talk about, you know, let's, let's, let's do this new thing where we basically see people as guilty and take away their gun rights before there's any due process. My son's first response at seven years old is they're going to take away the guns. That means that the, the innocent people can't fight the bad guys. How come he saw it? Like, he, how come he saw it? Because we haven't, we haven't been taught to think and we were duped by this kind of stuff. At any rate, here's what happened. Suggestion was made that people who are on a government terrorist watch list um, should not be allowed to purchase a gun. All right. And so initially you go, well, yeah, if you're a terrorist, you shouldn't be able to get a gun. You might hurt somebody with it. The only problem is, is we're talking about the government creating its own list that they put you on, by the way, without due process. Did you know that? Did you know that they put you on this list? And when you're on the list, you only find out that you're on it after you're on it. After you try to buy a gun. And then what you have to do is try to petition the government to get yourself off the list. Now you got to do what? You got to prove your innocence because why? You're guilty. Who says? Well, we say. Well, can you prove it? Well, we don't have to. You're already guilty. So now you got to prove you're innocent. Goes against everything our nation stands for in terms of justice and the legal system and how it operates. But we've abandoned God's law, so it doesn't really matter. The biblical worldview isn't in anybody's hearts in this respect, in this area, so they don't really see the need to treat people as innocent and to prove guilt. Um, so what they said was, we can create the list without due process, put you on it, you got to prove that you shouldn't be on it. But if you're on said list that we've created, we can take away your right to actually own a weapon to defend yourself. It's crazy. It's just madness. What's even the criteria for putting you on the list? Right. Well, that was one thing that Trey, Trey Gowdy, a uh, representative from South Carolina, said when he was cross-examining somebody who was involved. You know, he's like, so you find out you're on the list and you got to petition to get off the list. He said you can name any other constitutional right that you would do that with, that you would remove or revoke or chill this right. And uh, they find out that it's been chilled and now you have to try to prove yourself to get yourself to have your rights back. And he, he said, how about free speech? How about due process? How about uh, un- warrantless search and seizure? But you're doing it with the Second Amendment. So this right, you're just going to go ahead and just remove, revoke this natural right, this God-given right. And she says, well, there's a pretty strict criteria. And he's like, well, it doesn't really matter because you're talking about doing it without a due process. That's, that's not true. Because I know somebody who's on the terrorist watch list because they do abortion ministry. There yep. you go. Yep. You see, Gabe Green's dad. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm pretty sure I yeah. know someone else too. Yeah. Right. So, okay. It all sounds well and good 
until pastors start getting put on terrorist watch lists because they do content like we're doing, where we engage the world, we touch these difficult issues, we talk about homosexuality, we talk about abortion, we go to abortion mills. And so what about when pastors get put on these lists? Do you want your pastors not be able to be able to defend their families? Uh, what about when, again, people who are just going to abortion clinics to do ministry are seen as terrorists and their rights are removed from them? What about when Christians in general, if you speak out, let's say you have a, a, a ministry to homosexuals to bring the gospel to them because you love them. What if you get put on a terrorist watch list because you have this kind of ministry that goes to gay pride parades to minister and they say, well, this person's a threat. Um, don't forget that it's being suggested that there's a criminal fine if you don't actually speak to somebody according to the gender that they say mm. they are, that you could fine for that. If you speak out against homosexuality, it's called a hate crime. You could be fined for that, thrown into jail. These, these are things that are happening in our world today. Suggestions being made that these things happen on a larger scale. And so what happens when you find yourself on one of these lists and your rights have been removed from you? I call that injustice, mm -hmm. and I think we all should. But here, I wanted to play for you guys um, what took place on the floor yesterday. And by the way, the memes that came out of this were brilliant. I didn't you, even see any. Oh, you've got them on the floor with these pacifiers <laughs> in their mouths. Oh, I and did it's see just that one. fantastic. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and play for you guys and let's work through it. And feel free to raise your hand and I'll go ahead and stop it so we can talk. On occasion, Mr. Speaker, I have had what I call an executive session with myself. For months, even for years, through several sessions of Congress, I wondered what would bring this body to take action? What would finally make Congress do what is right, what is just, what the people of this country have been demanding, and what is long overdue? We have long... Uh, by the way, fantastic orator, great voice. Love it. Who did you say that was? I'd love to put the gospel in this guy's mouth. Boy, Biblical he, he would be he would be right on. It's Representative John Lewis. Okay. I, I thought it was Elijah Cummings, but yeah. Hundreds and thousands of innocent people to gun violence. Tiny little children. What do you think the chances are that this man is pro-choice? 100%. Yeah, pretty yeah. pretty solid. Did you just go Bonson on that? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think uh, look it up for me real fast. Representative John Lewis, see what his views are on abortion. So when you hear this emotional appeal to tiny, tiny little babies, little children, like I, I want to know, is he consistent with that or is it just with gun control that we get to talk like that? Babies, students, and teachers mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, daughters and sons, friends and neighbors. How many babies, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, friends and neighbors have been saved from death, from criminals that break into your home, people that seek to do you harm in a public place? How many have been saved annually from people that try to do others harm when somebody actually has an equalizer, a weapon 
to make all things equal. Because you know what? I, you see them every, every day or every other day. You see the articles that come out, but there was a break-in, a man attempted to rape a woman, and because the woman had an equalizer, she was able to defend herself against somebody who was trying to destroy her. Um, the article came up in my feed a couple weeks ago about a young boy. Uh, he must have been somewhere between 9 and 12 years old or 13 years old, and uh, people were trying to break into his house, and he was able to defend his, his sister uh, and himself with his father's gun. Uh, so what about him? Do we just let him die? Do we just let him and his sister get possibly raped? Um, you know, what, what, to, what length are you willing to go to to remove from an innocent person their ability to defend themselves against uh, an evil a person that seeks to do them harm? So, but again, here's, it's all emotional appeal. And what has this body done? Mr. Speaker, nothing. Not one thing. We have turned a deaf ears. We have turned deaf ears to the blood of the innocent and the concern of our nation. We are blind to a crisis. Mr. Speaker, where is the heart of this body? Where is our soul? Where is our moral leadership? Where is our courage? Those who work on bipartisan solution are pushed aside. Those who pursue common sense improvement are beaten down. Reason is criticized. Obstruction is praised. Newtown, Carrollville, Charleston, Orlando. What is the tipping point? Are we blind? Can we see? How many more mothers, how many more fathers need to shed tears of grief before we do something? So let's talk about real solutions for a second. Let's, let's talk about that, because that would be you, you, you can't beat something with nothing. So let's talk about real solutions. I got to answer your question. Okay, go, all right, go ahead. What's that? Um, so he was voted 100% by NARAL, including... Are indicating a pro-choice voting record and it's also he's the last living member of the civil rights movement mm. interesting and he went to american baptist college oh i was gonna no. say i was like that guy's been in church yeah you yeah. can tell yeah. you can tell <laughs> you can tell so uh let's talk about solutions uh first and foremost is it biblical to say that people have the right to defend themselves with weapons we've done plenty of shows on that i encourage you guys to go back through our feed and listen to the shows that we've done. We've gone spe to specific texts throughout the Bible to show that, yes, absolutely and undeniably, the Bible gives to people the right to have a weapon to defend themselves, their lives, their family, their properties, or their nation. And so it's all throughout the Bible. Go listen to those shows. We don't want to repeat all those arguments right now. Um, but it's, I think, important for us to note that these shootings take place at particular places. Where do they take place? They take place at um, locations where the, it's known that people are not armed. They don't have the ability to defend themselves. So, for example, when you go into clubs, they can pat you down. You walk through sometimes metal detectors. Um, I know this because I've gone to a club or two in my time. 
or two. Summer was nodding like, as if she knew. Yeah, she was not. Never. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so um, they do. They pat you down. You're not allowed to bring weapons in there. So there's easy targets right there. Schools. Uh, schools are gun-free zones, and so you you are guaranteed to shoot fish in a barrel at that point because nobody there is is armed. And so I would say that one of the most effective ways to minimize the uh, damage done in these shootings is to make sure that the public has access to weapons and that they can use them in the event that they're attacked. Are there evil people in the world that will use guns in a wrong way? Yes, because the problem is in the heart and not in the weapon. Uh, it's and in- will they circumvent the law to get guns anyway? Right. Yes. Well, you know what city has the strictest gun control yeah. laws, Chicago. Right? right. You guys, I have some numbers for y'all. Okay, you give us some numbers. I just had some pop of mine too. Go right. ahead. How many people in Chicago have been wounded by a gun this this week? I'm between, this week. between June nineteenth and and uh, June twenty fifth, so the week's not up. How many people you think is fifty? Fifty four. Fifty four. Year to date, how many uh, guns have killed people in Chicago? How many guns? Guns, guns. You know, because guns kill people, right? Right. Two hundred and fifty. Three hundred and thirteen. Dang. In Chicago. In Chicago. Just in Chicago. Just between January and today. Strictest, strictest gun strictest laws. Strictest gun laws. Yeah. Get this. This, this, had, this just popped up in my Facebook feed. This is the causes of death in the U.S. in 2016 through June 15th. You want to guess what the number one is? Abortion. Abortion. 501,325. You want to guess where murder by gun is? Mm-hmm. Huh. Very bottom. bottom. 5,276. Mm. Obesity has claimed 140,000 lives. Out of those 5,000, 1,500 occurred in Chicago. Oh, wow. Strictest gun mm. laws. Yeah, and oftentimes um, when they do these numbers with uh, gun accidents, gun deaths, they don't take into consideration that that a lot of those gun deaths are from self-defense. And so when they have like a large number of gun deaths, they don't mention uh, that a lot of those are suicides and a lot of those are actually in self-defense, people defending themselves, their family, their property. And so that also needs to be factored in there. Um, and so what we need to do, I think, is have a nation that recognizes the problem of uh, gun violence is in the human heart and not in the weapon. Because here's the thing, you take away the guns, criminals get the guns, like Joy said, they don't obey gun laws. And so if you put a sign up somewhere that says no guns, the people who are going to obey that sign generally are the innocent people who wouldn't hurt anybody. So the people who who don't obey the gun signs are generally the ones that want to hurt people. And so if you take away guns, you're going to take them away from the innocent people. You're not going to take them away from the criminals and the evil people that seek to do people harm. And so we got to make sure that we preach the gospel first and foremost, recognize the problem as human sin, the human heart, and we need to make sure that we have the ability to defend ourselves. Here's the thing. If you come into Arizona, into a mall in Arizona, and you attempt to do a shooting, you may get off a couple shots. You might go for a few minutes. But guess what? Around the corner is coming a person like me or like Luke mm. that has a gun and is going to shoot you. And you will be stopped and you will not be able to continue this thing unabated. And that's just how it goes. And so if you are in Arizona right now where we have some pretty decent gun laws, everybody knows, look, when you go somewhere, somebody's got a piece, somebody's got a weapon, and they'll use it. And so you're not going to get you're not going to get by with it for very very long. I think the one thing that puts us in a very dangerous position is when you don't allow schools, principals, teachers, things like that 
to actually have a weapon on campus so they can defend themselves. I mean, you, you see these videos, guys? The videos drive me bonkers. The videos where they say, like, in case of a school shooting, here is the training drill. And, and I understand some of the stuff. Like, you know, put stuff in front of the door. They got devices now they're trying to use on top of the doors to lock the doors into place and everything else. But it's like, why aren't we talking about the fact that somebody at that school should be armed? Why are we going to make everybody just a victim? And so I think the larger concern for me, and I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about this, is that what's being talked about in our nation right now um, by politicians is that we can take away due process. That we can actually say that the, the way we will do the legal system is we will say you are guilty, now prove that you're innocent. That's not biblical, it's not just, it destroys lives. And I want to say this, to give somebody a sanction, uh, that's a that's a penalty, that is um, a punishment. To give somebody a sanction, like you can't own a weapon, um, before they've actually been called guilty in a court of law, is a complete perversion of justice. You right. can't penalize somebody and give them a sanction when they haven't actually been before a judge and the judge has heard evidence and witnesses and said, you are guilty. So that's where we're moving. And that's some serious, serious injustice. And I think Christians should care. This, I think we should care. This just popped up on my feed. Uh, Diane Feinstein said Americans must prove their innocence. Hmm. No way. Yep. Just it said just it. popped up right on my newsfeed just now. Prove your innocence. It's totalitarian. It is. Mm. Absolutely. 100% control. Take away the weapons. Educate the children. They own us. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you look at pagan societies, unbelieving societies, it's not as though they're not going to have a God. We talk about this often. It's not whether you will have a God over your system, but it's which God. It's not whether you will have law in your society, but whose law, what laws, from whom, right? And what's interesting here, and I guess think about this for a second, socialism versus the biblical worldview. The biblical worldview says that the government is a temporary institution made to serve man, an eternal being. Okay? That's a biblical worldview. Government is a temporary institution made to serve man, the eternal soul. Right? Socialism says that man is the temporary being meant to serve the eternal state. That is the fundamental distinction between those positions. And what's powerful here is that you start having people now move to paganism, move to unbelief. And now what happens to the government when people move to unbelief? The government becomes God and it becomes a very big God. And when you don't want God's law in your society and the biblical worldview, now you go from a very, I mean, a pretty small book I'm holding in my hands right now. Right. You go from a, a pretty small book with some laws and worldview stuff in it to now you go to laws being made on a daily basis where you are basically breaking the law at every turn of your life to some degree. So if you don't want God's law and, and God in your society, then you move to a society where now the government is God and you have so many laws that you cannot even begin to catch up with it. So that's what we have before us. And I think the answer, we know the answer is the gospel. Yep. It's calling people to repentance and faith. It's not compromising our position as Christians. It's raising godly families that know God's word and they know how to interact with the world. 
And I think that's where we have to go. We have to focus inward. We're going to focus on our families, raise them up, and move them off into the next generation. Now, I wanted to play for you guys something pretty sweet before we finish the episode today. Um, so, we got to uh, do an episode of Apologia TV on the black Hebrew Israelites. Some of them don't like being called that. They like being called Hebrew Israelites. And we got to do it with Vocab Malone. He did the TV show, which is up on YouTube, and he did an after show with us, which is also up on YouTube now. So, you can watch both of them at Apologia Studios. Well, Dr. White saw our episode, TV episode with vocab on black Hebrew Israelites. And then he listened to vocab after the show. There was a bit of a controversy that happened because of the show with the black Hebrew Israelites. They wanted vocab on their radio show. So vocab did a radio show with them. Dr. White heard that radio show was super fascinated by it. So he decided to go ahead and have on, I'm going to butcher his name here. So forgive me. Elder Raka Shayar. Um, on Hebrew Israelism. Oh, there goes 50 YouTube comments. Yeah, that's Wait. right. Sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize <laughs> for not getting it right, but you got to understand, I'm from Esau. Okay? So, <laughs> that's what they say. So, oh, it's boy. just Esau with his cunning right now. Um, so, uh, Dr. White had him on yesterday, and I wanted to play you guys a little segment that just uh, had me very, very excited. So, this was a moment where this gentleman kept bringing up historical claims. Dr. White was refuting him one after the the other when the guy would try to prove his claim he would quote some secondary source that's been utterly refuted and uh, he even quoted as proof for one of his claims uh, a book about the Illuminati uh, so very very interesting but here we go this is a pretty powerful moment has, has the sun eternally existed well let me read Colossians 1 and 14 yeah. and that will answer that particular question okay uh, matter of fact, let me start. I at think you mean fifteen. Yeah. What'd you say? I, I think you meant fifteen, but that's all right. No, I meant I meant fourteen. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> matter of fact, the thirteenth verse: Who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son? Okay. And whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, speaking of Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. So he's not the invisible God. He's the he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. A creature is a product of creation. So there was a time that he didn't exist, but but only when he was in the father. It was one time the father was alone. And Christ and the Holy Spirit came out of him. That's what makes him the great I am. He always existed. So Jesus isn't the and, I and, am. And, and, and let me correct something else. The tetragrammaton is a, also a deception. Really? Okay. First, before that goes there, I want to make sure I an announce something about that text. Dr. White had so much being thrown at him, he couldn't get to every single point. But John chapter 1, verse 1, just read it, folks. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And Archaean Halagos means as far back as you go to the beginning without any reference point to stopping, the Word was already there, so eternally existent. And Isaiah chapter, let's see, 9, verses 6 and 7, he is the everlasting Father, the Father of eternity. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 he is coming from Bethlehem he is from everlasting from eternity so of course Jesus is called eternal God in the Bible and always existent alongside the father also in Colossians chapter 1 when it says Jesus is the firstborn 
over um, over all creation. Uh, firstborn there, very Jewish way of thinking. The firstborn, Israel is called God's firstborn. Um, David is called God's firstborn. Firstborn is very Jewish way of saying preeminence. He's the heir over all things. It has nothing to do with order of creation. So I want to make sure I, I answered that. The name that, that was that was given to Moses. The Tetragrammaton is 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 a Zionist Jewish satanic sorceress deception. They have everyone worship Satan. Really. Really? Even though it's right there in the Hebrew text we were just looking at. Exactly, because you have to realize the Masoretes, with their evil, took their hands and looked to scribe their God in our records. And we're not going to throw up a baby with the bathwater. Oh, wait, 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 no, 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 you, wait, 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 I just can't let that pass. I can show you, I can show you the Isaiah. You don't have to let it pass, but you have to let me explain what I'm saying, and then you can just repeat You do it, that you for long periods of time. The fact of the matter is the Masoretes flourished when? When did they do their work? Do you know? You, 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 listen, you, you, you just, come on. No, you don't. You, the, the point listen, is you don't know, me, and the it's, fact it's, of the matter is explain, the James, Isaiah scroll... Listen, listen, listen. No, 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 listen. I've been extremely patient. Okay. The Isaiah uh, scroll. Listen, listen. No, you listen to me for once. You keep saying, oh, okay. "Listen to me," and I'll explain. Okay. Right. Let me let let me explain something to you. The Isaiah scroll from the Dead Sea Scrolls comes from a thousand years before the Masoretic period, and it contains the Tetragrammaton. It can't have come from the Masoretes. That is a historically laughable assertion. I didn't say it came from the Masoretes. Yes, you did. <laughs> no, I didn't. I said the Masoretes was behind the deception. Okay, the, the, then the, it's the, in the, Isaiah, the, right? When I say behind the de- I, listen, it would be juvenile to say the Masoretes created the Tetragrammaton when the when the Masoretes didn't come around until about the first century, and and then you Ninth had century. the it, listen, listen, and then you had the Israelites who fell to that God five hundred years before Christ. Yahweh in the Tetragrammaton is the Canaanite God. And the Jewish powers, the Zionists, know this. A matter of fact, when you look at a book, okay, when, we, when I say that around the 6th to the 11th century, let me correct myself on the Masoretes. Between the 6th and the 11th century, the Masoretes came on the scene and began to take our records once we fell and began to inject this name all over the earth. But again, that name is the Canaanite god. Yah meaning power and Hava, which means mischief, fallen one. That's Satan himself. And a matter of fact, there's a book out now. Okay, it's called uh, the Illuminati Two, which <laughs> it goes it goes into the fact that the Tetragrammaton is the god Lucifer. Okay, and and the Masoretes and the Masons know this. So that injection okay. happened not only in Hebrew and again. So. So, so wait, wait, wait. So, so you're telling me that when Isaiah 44 two says, "Thus says Yahweh," that this is a corruption of the scriptures? Yes. And your evidence for this is a book about the Illuminati. No. Okay. What's your historical evidence for it? Textually speaking. Okay. In the scriptures. Yeah. Okay. The Most High Himself give Moses his, Moses his name. Ahaya, Asha, Ahaya, right there in Exodus 3. And he says, this is my name forever throughout all generations. Okay? 
So there was only one way to translate that. So they couldn't change it there, but they began to change it throughout the whole book, except in that one place where the most I mentioned okay. his name. In Exodus, Exodus 3 and 13 through 16. All right. Do you have the Hebrew of Isaiah 44, 2 in front of you? Yeah, it's going to say the Tetragrammaton. and I know that. Okay, then do you have any manuscripts of the book of Isaiah that do not have the Tetragrammaton? The, my whole King James Version Bible in the Old Testament is filled with the Tetragrammaton. I, I know that. So my point is, if you're going to assert that there has been a textual change in the biblical text itself, you can't simply assert it, you have to prove it. So what is your manuscript evidence that there has been a change? Okay, now... You're going to continue to ignore what I say and say I didn't prove anything. <laughs> okay. Are you? Uh, you seem to confuse assertion with proof. We we obviously deal with things differently along these lines. When I when I debate Muslims and I make an um, a claim about the Quran, yeah. I have to be able to back it up with the Quran itself. I can't just simply make an assertion. And you make assertions and think that by making assertions, you've proven something. You say that because a form of a Hebrew verb is used in Exodus 3, which is directly related to the same root of Yahweh in the rest of the Tanakh, that there's been some change made. And I go, excuse me, but we have entire manuscripts, we have manuscript traditions within the Hebrew manuscripts, we have uh, other, uh, the Aramaic Targums, we have the Greek Septuagint, and when variations like this take place, we can trace them to the various traditions that we have available to us in the manuscript tradition. And I'm simply saying to you, if you're going to make an assertion, you got to back it up with something that is actually substantiatable from a scholarly perspective. That's all. Okay. So there you go. So that wow. was uh, that was big, and, and uh, I want to hear what you guys have to say. But it was just one of those re kind of revealing moments of how important it is for us. We've been talking about today to know our Bibles and to know where we get them from because it comes up. Did you notice when when Doctor Wright was like, "No, no, 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 no," you let me talk for once? Did you notice Summer started sucking her thumb and she. <laughs> Had like flashback. Yeah, she was like, oh. <laughs> oh, not that tone. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, that, that was really powerful. If you get a chance, uh, I would encourage you to take a look at it. I think if you go to Alpha and Omega's Facebook page, it's somewhere on there. I'm not sure exactly where they posted that, if it was on Dr. Dr. Oakley on YouTube or if it was on Alpha and Omega. Not sure which one. But um, Aomen. Was it Aomen? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Aomen.org. <laughs> that's where you guys go. Uh, check it out, and I think it'll bless you. It's about... An hour long or more. Hour longer than that, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so it's, it's uh, helpful. It's it's very helpful, and uh, it'll make you it'll make you uh it'll make you squint your eyes a couple times mm -hmm. and clench your fists a few times. It's uh mm -hmm. it's uh it's, it's hard. Oh, and it's funny too. He called Doctor White. He didn't know he was talking to. Him. He called him Richard. Rich, yeah, and then he was calling him Slick. Slick. Oh like, my gosh. Yeah, like uh, you're slick. My, and uh, my favorite part was when he, the guy said that King James was Hebrew. Oh yeah. Yeah, and you yeah. know what's funny is vocab said 
that they say yeah. now. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And then when you, they say King James, what they say yeah. King James was was black Hebrew, like Hebrew. Yeah. And you say what? And he go, they go, yeah, look at this meme, and yeah. they, that's what they do to substantiate it. The look on my dad's face was the same look I got when I came home with purple hair once. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, no. <laughs> Don't do that. Turn back around and fix that. That's awesome. <laughs> Did he make you fix it? Oh yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. Good man. No, there's good. there are no photos of me with purple hair. Yeah. Yeah. No, that didn't last. Did it? Why is he? Why is he a good man for that? Sounds legalistic to me. Right. Ooh, let's not. Well, yeah, just is, there, is there a reason why you can't have colored hair? My wife has pink hair right now. Well, I, I used saying, to have blue I'm hair. I'm saying if he says as a father, you can't do I'm this, just... and then he makes his daughter change it back, and she follows, like, yeah, yeah all right, good man. Do you think I'm going to debate so, him? So yeah. So it's a clear... I'm going to debate you about the color of hair, Dad. So like, I've had 200 public debates on hair. That let's are... do this. Right, um, people ask me, what was it like arguing with your father growing up? And I'm like, do I look stupid? <laughs> you think I did that? <laughs> so, uh, all right, guys. Thank you for joining us on Apologia Radio today. Don't forget to go to missionalware.com. They support Apologia Church. You guys should support them and get a shirt. Who's this today? Is this... BB. BB Warfield, y'all. What? What are you... I don't know what birds are saying. BB Warfield. He was post-mill, right? BB. I think he was. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Joy the Grill, yeah. thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. As always, Luke the Bear, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for showing up. Yeah. Marcus Gibbon, <laughs> King Ginger. Thanks, my man. Thank you. You're kind of quiet today. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, Honey Bridger just popped in. How you doing, man? Nobody can hear you right now. No. Hey, yeah. you, know, you know what Bridger told me a little bit ago? What? In high school, and it says it's on his letterman jacket, his nickname was Nubs. No, it wasn't. Why? Man. Z- why? She, he, oh, so, so are you uncomfortable? That's kind of cool. Yeah, like it's like a like it, you could have a cool story, a shark, a bear. Like, yeah, it's a cool story. Yeah, it's so, not that cool. Bridger, Bridger, not that loves, cool. <laughs> Bridger loves to talk about his lack of finger, and he loves for people to joke about it, and it makes me very uncomfortable. And my son couldn't believe that Bridger likes to joke about it. So he was like, does he really like, no, he doesn't. And he was like really struggling, internal t- turmoil Stellar had about his finger. And now he's like, see ya, fingers. <laughs> he calls them fangers. 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 Oh, Turtle loves Bridger. Very um, distinguishing, you know? I love Bridger. Yeah. Summer. Yes. This is not going to be your last time on Apology Radio. Wow. Yeah. All right. I hope I hope you uh, you come back. Joy would really love you. Yeah. It was awesome to come back and uh, to be with us. Bring the yerba. That's next time you guys can sit next to each other and hold hands. What? Like Why? you and Jeff do. Uh, yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> she is drinking Bluephoria. Don't. Does it, it just taste like the color blue? It tastes like blue for you. I don't. I don't even know. I can't put my finger on what it's supposed to be. For you and like yeah. blue, it's like Je- that. Jeff, do you know? <laughs> did you notice like how like every week there's more and more Revelberry? Like there's just another uh, row. Yes, it's because of us. Yeah, I know. I know. There. Yeah, there <laughs> is less and less blue euphoria. Because less people want oh. it and more people. You know, it's supply and demand, Marcus. That's right. I thought you, know who you created under, like, that flavor. Who? Uh, Bill Johnson's daughter. Oh, because she said the, the Holy, Holy Spirit's, Spirit's blue, blue like the genie yeah. from Aladdin. Yeah. Oh my gosh, oh. that episode. Go, go, go! Get the uh, Bethel cult. That. The Bethel cult episode will blow your mind. Yeah. Um. So hey, you know what's really interesting? I just thought was very, very cool is when we did Reform Con. My wife made this massive vat of yerba mate every day, and it was. I mean, people are 
came and asked for it before yeah. they knew she had it. They were like, do you have yerba mate? Right. So listeners of Apologia Radio are, are hooked into yerba mate, and I think well, that's and really some cool. people, I, I don't think people understood the power of it, because they would come get, like, three cups of it, and yeah. then they drink it, and you can see them in the audience. Yeah, they're, like, like shaking yeah. in their <laughs> seat. Like, is that why it's people are getting for, like, all... <laughs> people are getting all charismatic in the back? Is that why? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. But for, your for, for once, the Presbyterians were actually making noise in the service. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, Marcus, hello, you there? All right, guys. <laughs> Don't forget to sign up for all access at ApologiaRadio.com, guys. When you sign up, you do make all of this possible. So thank you guys to everybody who already is all access. We're grateful for you. You're making everything we do possible, so thank you. And we're excited about what you guys are going to get real soon. So ApologiaRadio.com. Catch you guys next week. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. Apologiaradio.com.